0: folks, and welcome or welcome back to NTI's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajima, again. And this podcast was brought to you, among others, by Emil Gorgis, a Tokyo real estate agent who specializes in serving international or mixed nationality families looking for the perfect family home. So Emil's in Australia. He's been living here in Japan for the past two decades, eight years of which he's been actively buying, selling and managing real estate properties in the city on behalf of his own family and a great many happy clients. And he also acts as a mortgage broker on behalf of his clients. So his company has a dedicated loan officer in many of the Japanese mega banks. And if you're a regular listener, you probably already know him from our JREP, the Japan Real Estate Experts panel sessions. So you're probably already aware that the man is an absolute fountain of wisdom on all things related to real estate in Japan. And in particular to family homes, the greater Tokyo metropolitan area, and mortgages. And most importantly, he's incredibly generous with his time and advice, which he's more than happy to provide at no cost or commitment to anyone asking. So if you've been thinking about buying your home in Tokyo, but you've been sitting on the fence for a while, or if you just want to have a chat in English with a real expert, drop him a line on emil.gorges, that's E-M-I-L dot emil.gorgies at Tokyorealty.jp. Hit him up today and start exploring your options. Okay, so we're back with our first JREP Japan Real Estate Experts panel session for 2022 Started off with a casual chat about holiday ski resorts, networking, and working with friends and family. Then we heard from Emil about the types of mortgages that you can get in Japan even if you're not a permanent resident what's involved in those, what the terms are, and how you can get from 80% to 100% financing, if at all. We also talked a bit about submitting offers to purchase properties, when you should put those in, and what's a reasonable price to try and negotiate, Uh, how long properties stay on the market, and also about mini and micro studio apartments. Why do they exist, who are they good for, and how much sense do they make for long-term and or short-term rentals. So plenty of insights as usual. Enjoy the conversation and I'll see you again on the other side. All right. First um, first episode of the year. Well, first JREP uh, J-Rep session of the year, anyway. Yep. Happy New Year, everyone.
1: Happy New Happy New New year. Year. Yeah, oh. Yeah.
0: I said Akehome to someone, and my wife told me I shouldn't say that to anyone but my very closest friends. Well, your
1: whole world's your very closest friends that's, that's what that's I, that. I keep saying right the whole that's world's my friends i haven't met them all yet yeah I, I, I just warn you the doorbell might ring in a second so um, right. yes so it's just it's all I, happening today it's all happening. i think today. that's
0: that's one of the main differences between um japanese and foreigner, especially when it comes to networking like She always like, why do you have our clients on your Facebook and and they see what I'm doing at home and what, you know, that, why are you inviting that person to, uh, to, to like the the private party? We work with them. And I'm like, yeah, but
1: everyone's
0: my network, right? You never know who's going to turn into a customer or a business partner or whatnot.
1: And vice versa. You don't know as well, like how, you know, they can help, you know, solve a problem for you.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I, have, also- I have only two customers who actually turned into friends. Um, it hasn't happened much, but the other way it happens a lot. Like, um, but we don't we don't work directly with friends and family. We've um, we've had some bad experience. We refer them to other people that we trust, and we provide support along the process. But we'd never take them on as clients. Yeah. Like in in my case. Um,
2: I, it's both like friends can become clients, you know, when they're ready to buy a house. I go, oh, no, by the way, you know, let's start talking. So that's quite common. Um, but also the other way is quite common because when we do the house search, I end up going with these people and their families um, for like too many, many viewings. And we're spending so much intimate time together. And like you just told us that
0: you have to ask them if they're planning to have kids and how many and you get pretty intimate pretty, pretty fast. Yeah. right? <laughs> um yeah there's that but also like if they have kids right like you know
2: their kids are running around and and i I fully understand their situation and often they're just like they're my age my sort of similar household structure kids sort of my age um and so yeah we just be like it's we we, and and we're out like we spend four hours or five hours every weekend together Mm -hmm. so for for three months or four months Mm -hmm. right so um you know during the, the process and it's so we just spend a lot of time, more time, more sort of one-on-one time, a lot of time that is in the car and going from house to house, house to house. But it's just like us, like me and, and their family, um, you know, the husband and the wife and the kids. So you get to really know them quite quite well. Um, and and most people that in that situation, they're just the ordinary folk. They're not like, you know, some weirdo or something that's just like really a transaction. Um, so, yeah, you do sort of become friends with them yeah the boundaries
0: become quite vague i think when you work I mean, like if it's a transactional one-off kind of thing but especially in our case we're going to be constantly being in contact with them and helping them manage and everything there's we just you know we, we exchange emails and phone calls on a daily or weekly basis it's just going to be that way
2: yeah i've got my one situation where it tends to be a bit awkward which we sort of separate is when it's a close friend a good friend and all of a sudden it's like well you yeah, know I can help them with the house search but it's financials okay hey like because usually we do the, the bank the the mortgage broking service right so I get their tax returns and if they're like you know if they're just an employee it's say tax withholding slip against and here. So all of a sudden I know their income and and all that personal detail. Or if they're a business owner then often they need to provide the, both their income but also their company's PL for the past two years. Yeah. So all of a sudden, I have all of their, you know, very very private information. And for someone who starts off as a client first, and initially is a client, or you know, someone who, who calls me from this this uh, podcast or this this vlog, um, they're okay giving that because I'm the introduction is as an agent. But when it's a friend, it's all of a sudden, hey, I've got to hand over all this personal stuff, and even I'm not comfortable doing that. I don't like discussing my finances with with others, um, you know, especially my friends and whatnot unnecessarily. So what we actually do is for those friends, um, I let them work, either they can deal with the bank directly. So I set up all the bank stuff, but I let them email or fax or send the documents to the bank directly. So I don't see it. Or I get one of our staff, they can email one of our staff at our office. um, And so I don't don't see any of the numbers. Cause to be honest, I don't really care. As long as I know ballpark how much they can borrow, um that's that's the only thing that the, the number is uh their income is important for is how much they can borrow but stuff like their you know usually it's fine for them to tell me like their marital status and their residency status and those things i probably already know it um and we've probably already had that discussion but it's just income that's i'll let them send it through um to one of our staff or to the bank directly because and I, I don't really care i don't need to see it um so yeah that's the one bit where if the friendship aspect is
0: it's a bit of a touch here. I don't know for us, like on, on the one or two occasions that we have worked with friends that even if, I mean, it didn't break the friendship, but anything goes wrong down the track that it just, it, it becomes really challenging to, to handle sort of disappointments. Like, why did you do this? Why did you recommend this? And when it's a customer, it's very easy for me to draw the line and say, and look, this is how we work. And this is what you need to do. And this is what you need to pay. And that's how the business relationship works. And if it doesn't work for you, it's okay. We can part ways. But with a friend it becomes, I don't know, like it's it's touchy
1: well similar with my business it's like uh, you know especially when everyone's coming to japan it's like you know oh i'll come and, and it's not like coming if you're coming to sleep on my floor then of course you're able to come and stay in my house for free but if you rent one of my houses that's my business so um and yeah i'll do you a deal but at the sa- at the end of the day it's like you know you're using up calendar days that um that I could be charging the highest margin for. So I've got to be very, very clear with family and friends about what is, you know, what is business and what is work. But I think, you know, I I think, you know, setting the example of, of, of having, you know, very clear and clean transactions um, and not have, not have the money part be um, an obligation as well. Um, And that's just a good Good rule of thumb for life really uh it's not so. just the,
0: i mean it is the money but for example we had um, the case that really convinced us not to do it anymore is we, we took on a friend as a tenant right like we had one of our customers had a vacant property and that guy was looking for a place and um, we, we ended up renting it to him plus he was a you know a foreigner at the start of his way in japan not that easy to rent a place so we were happy to help and then when they left there was an argument about what they need to pay or don't need to pay. And, you know, if it was, you know, just a standard tenant, then we would have contacted a a collection agency and just send them, you know, to, to try and retrieve the funds. But do you do that with a friend? Like everything becomes difficult. Yeah. That's
1: why, that's why the transaction needs to be very clear. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's not, you know, so did that guy not realize that this is sort of standard operating procedures for when you, when you're a tenant so um, even even when
0: it's very clear though even with normal tenants there's always the chance for an argument or the chance for a disagreement and um, like then it's a lot easier to handle when it's not someone that you know right
2: yeah, yeah. so for people that i've had come as as ten, like with with sales when they want to buy it's very clear it's like three percent plus sixty thousand yen plus tax is the very standard uh, commission for an agent uh, when, you're, when you're purchasing a property mm-hmm. and that's very clear at the, at the outset and that doesn't change so there's no additional fee or anything from, from us right uh, so that that's quite clear at the beginning but I have had sort of rental clients that have stayed in my property so there's the Airbnb and sort of the, the real estate that I own side of stuff um, I I use the same uh, contract even if it's a direct you know rental but with a friend that wants to stay I use the same Contract is a Japanese contract, um, and I can modify some terms. For example, you know they're saying like it's a shorter duration or um, whatnot, but it's very very clearly written. This is the cleaning fee, and this is kind of the uh, the it's called the the Tokyo rule, and it's what the expectation is for. I think we discussed it before. Repairing wallpaper, like what kind of damage to wallpaper after what year? What is the cost? What is the owner's responsibility? What is the tenant's responsibility for damage and natural wear and tear? And that's very clear. And I make sure I explain to them. And we have an English version of this document. I explain to them very clearly. This is what it is. This is what you can expect. Um, but when you move out, it's like you know the forty thousand yen or sixty thousand yen cleaning fee. Plus, you got to give like you know give me one month's notice, and usually that that's not an issue. But the clean, especially the cleaning fee, and any damage beyond what's in this table. So this is the regular rent-air that's sort of acceptable and there are examples of it. Um, and this is what's not... Uh, and then this is what's going to be extra. And we're just going to get a renovation company to come and do it um, if you don't do it yourself. And that's really got to be clear because I think all of us know it's when people leave and all of a sudden there's an unexpected cost, a surprising cost. Like, crap, I have to pay another 30,000, 40,000 yen. That's, that's the one that springs up and, and you know, it's like... And it's unnecessary tension for a few money, right? Really? Yeah.
0: I don't think it's a matter of, you know, like I I would know that I'm in the right, you know, charging what I'm charging. But then after you go through that disagreement, it just, there's like a weight hanging over the, the, the relationship, the friendship, right? Like, because you have to go through it, whether whichever way it was resolved, I just don't want to be in that situation. That's all. Plus I'm representing... A customer an investor who actually owns that property and then you know my I, i'm not on your side mate i'm helping you rent a place but i'm i'm working on behalf of the owner of the place yeah, there, there's a bit of a dissonance there mm. so what do you do on the uh, what do you do on the holiday
1: i went skiing i went mm-hmm. up to hokkaido and there was a blizzard or two and we had waist deep powder And my eleven-year-old was an absolute champion. So he he was stayed with us the whole time, and and we went down some really gnarly, uh, yeah, some really gnarly runs like off-piste, waist-deep powder, and Mm. he nailed it. So so proud of him. So
2: that's awesome. Good stuff. Mm. Yeah, I saw some of your photos. To, uh, yeah uh, and, and it really was really a nice.
1: there was one day we couldn't even go out it was just it was an absolute <laughs> blizzard the next day was incredible absolutely incredible so like it was like 50 centimeters of snow every what, day and
2: yeah, which was what Kidoro. Kiro, oh Kiroro was nice yeah yeah those, i mean long runs the,
1: lo, yeah food and bev food and bev was a bit of a uh, you know, you're very, very much a captive audience and resort prices, so that was that hurt us a little bit. Um, but the snow was just fantastic. So mm. the fireworks at New Year's Eve, and uh, which is rare for New Year's Eve, it was fun. It was a fun time.
2: You we over there with New Year, the New Year period?
1: Yeah, we went. We went from the 30th until the 6th. That was a good long time.
2: Mm. Ooh, that was a solid, solid break. Yeah, we went to a uh, Nozawa Onsen. Oh, nice! Which is good. Yeah, um, and so uh, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, the thirty first and first, it dumped like seventy five centimeters, and then sixty centimeters. Yep. So you got one point five meters, and we got there on the third, and we we're there for like four days.
1: Mm
2: hmm. just fantastic. It's just beautiful, beautiful.
1: That's
0: becoming 10... really popular with Australians, right? Sorry. With
1: Nozawa, it's massive for Australians. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've I've got a friend who's. Uh, who's a real estate agent in australia sorry my cousin he's trying to buy property in nozawa onsen and you really just you have to know people you can't just sort of you know everything is off the books it's not uh it's just not possible to, to That's buy
0: what we exist for
1: i know so yeah so uh now that i know you Zuf, yeah. i will be introducing you to him but he's obviously not able to come up right now
0: yeah now remote uh, remote is all what all the people have been doing for the last couple of years but they're pretty happy with it they uh, there they are good deals to be had especially in places that rely on tourism
1: mm-hmm. mm. Well, actually, after we get off this call that's what i'll do i'll introduce you to my yep. cousin so uh and zip what did you do
0: um stayed home and worked <laughs> it's not nearly as exciting we took uh, my son and i took a few days off with the we got a vacant apartment um it actually belongs to my mom when she's uh, here in Japan, but she hasn't been coming for a while. So we go there uh, every few de- uh, every few weeks, or once a month, or once a month or two, just to give mom a break and give us a break from mom. And then we eat junk food and watch movies and uh, play board games. And yeah.
1: I approve with this philosophy as a mom. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as a working mom, um, I approve of this philosophy. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. So where's Everyone. this apartment?
1: Can I send my son and her husband there? Too? <laughs> sure.
0: We uh, will give you a will give you a good the Airbnb kind of price.
1: Oh, good! <laughs> you <Yeah.
0: laughs> <laughs> need a place to get away. Yeah, it's uh, it's crucial actually. Like um, I I need a holiday myself. I haven't gone on holiday for a while, but I do go out like for an overnight excursion once in a while and come back in the uh, wee hours of lunch. So uh, I get my short fixes, not not anything long, but yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, it's very really important. So, Zib, you said you had a story to tell us, so.
0: Oh, no, no, just um, I I wanted, um, I referred a a client or potential client to Emil. (laughs) Mm -hmm. and let's not mention him by name, but um, he was, he's been living in Japan for about four years now, so Mm steadily employed in Japan. He and his wife are both non-Japanese, and he was approved for a mortgage loan, so they want to move away from rentals and buy their old home, uh, their new Mm -hmm. home. So first off, they were, improve- they were approved for a uh, homeowner's mortgage, which I, I know Emile's mentioned that it does happen, but it is still a bit surprising for me because I thought if you're not permanent resident yet, uh, it could be a bit challenging. Um, but they were approved for about 80% and he's now on the lookout for a 100% loan, which he said mm-hmm. he actually spoke to some people in similar situations who have received it. And I didn't even know that was a possibility if you're not a PR mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I
2: spoke to him this morning, actually had like a nice solid one hour conversation. So um, and just one to to listening. So generally what happens when people are interested in like they're, they're curious about buying a place. And although this particular client had already spoken with banks and gotten some approvals or like some ideas, like informal sort of discussions with the bank saying, Okay, yeah, you can borrow this much or that, et cetera. Usually what happens is you know, you'll just we just arrange a call. Like he sent me an email, like if you sent me the intro email, they reached out, I just gave him my number, he gave me a call this morning. And we, we spoke for about an hour about his very specific situation and his financing options, et cetera. And yeah, so he, like, he'd like he already gone and done sort of all the research and stuff like that and, and came back. So when he, I spoke to him, he seemed quite knowledgeable. He's saying, well, I can get 80% financing and this is how much I can borrow and stuff. And that's pretty much the information I would have told him. But he was like, well, but I had some friends who are also similar situation that got 100% financing and they don't have permanent residency. And I said, well, look, the only like the banks that I know that will give you uh, 100 financing without permanent residency, you need to meet some other conditions. Okay, one is you need to either have a Japanese wife, or like your spouse, your spouse needs to be Japanese, or yeah. um, or permanent residency, right? And he goes, that, but he said, no, that's not the case. Okay, but even his friends as well, that's not the case. The other requirement is you need to be living in Japan more than five years and working at the same company for more than five years you have to be married even if your spouse is not japanese you need to be married and you need to um have been resident in the same house for at least three years even
0: as a tenant even if you're renting
2: as a tenant because they want if they're going to stability. like yeah stability and they want someone who's not just going to sort of move to another country that's why, like 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 so these other signs if you don't have permanent residency you don't have proof of long-term residence like that your commitment to the country they want to, they're going to look at these other factors that they try to weigh out right they want to give you the loan um but and I said to him like so in your case you haven't been here for five years so I know that's definitely not an option for you um and but your friend that did get it was it with this bank and did he meet these conditions and he goes yeah he has been here for like you know seven eight years and yes it was the bank that I was talking about. Also that particular bank no longer is doing that because um, they stopped in April, because April's when they changed the, the policies, or well, not April 1st of 2020. So not last year, the year before, um, they stopped because they had been given it, they had given it to a few foreigners, um, but they basically left um, and, and defaulted on the loan. And so they, they changed the, the bank, um, It's mega bank changed the policy overall. So you, you can't really, you can't really get that anymore. Um, it could still be on a case-by-case basis, but previously it was, gen- it was straight up, Yet yeah, you can get it. Now it's like, for the most part, no. You can't get 100% financing um, if you're straight up. Both the couple is is foreign. Um, and and also, you need to speak Japanese. And when they speak Japanese, like, like just basic conversation level, you yeah, don't I need to be able to read that. the contract. Yeah. yeah. So I explained that to him, and he's sort of aware... He he said that some of his friends said try the local ginkgo like Yokohama ginkgo or Tama Tama Shin um, like like Tama Bank um, or these uh, what do you call like the trust banks yeah. or credit unions and you can sort of try for the local areas those banks don't have a direct we don't have a direct relationship with those banks and we cannot submit documents on someone's behalf we can't inquire directly on behalf of the client um, and the local banks will also assess it more at a branch level. So they need to kind of know the person and they need to, the bank manager needs to sort of really look at the person and have a feel for it. And then he'll request to the underwriters whether or not they're okay. So they don't have just a generic policy when it comes to people that don't fit the, the exact criteria. So yeah. it's hard for us to give a definite no, but for the mega banks and whatnot, we're pretty confident it's a definite no. And so they may be able to work something out, but for the most part, it's, it's a no-go.
0: Another agent I've spoken to mentioned that um, some of the developers uh, which are selling brand new properties or some of the bigger nationwide uh, real estate <laughs> agencies um, have different relationships with some banks. And in those cases, it might be possible, but not with your typical run-of-the-mill um, agency bank relationship, right?
2: Yeah, correct, correct. So some of the, like, you know, Mitsui, Fudosan, um you know they're building massive developments. They actually have a bank that's tied in with that development, right? So in those cases, yes, they may be able to get, um, you know, like a non-pr holder, like just a just a, a single guy, you know, in his thirties who who works and just wants to buy an apartment um, within a brand new building, won't be used, brand new, um, a brand new development. Then yeah, they they may be able to get um, to get 100 financing at reasonable rates um without permanent residency but that's not a general um the general uh off the mill kind of loan
0: yep understood
2: yeah so um yeah and the discussion with him was look he's about 12 months away from getting pr so look it's very easy actually to get you know if you don't have permanent residency but you are fully employed and you're resident of japan you can get 80 percent financing yeah that's, that's, that's not a secret. So anyone who's like, oh, look, if they're willing to put down a 20% deposit, um, like, say, so let's say a 50 million yen loan, $500,000 loan. If you're willing to put down 10 million yen, plus about, you know, another, you know, 3 million yen of closing costs, so 13 million yen, the bank will loan you the rest. And I tell people, if you're only about, um, you know, six to 12 months to away from getting permanent residency, once you get PR, it's like, and in this case, without your referral, he actually met all the employment criteria very well. He's a, a, say Cheyenne at a listed company. Okay. he has been there for almost four years. So in terms of employment situation and income, perfect for a loan, the banks will love him. And it's at a listed company, a very, very large organization. Um, it's just his residency requirement. That was an issue. And because he's only, you know, 12 months away from getting his permanent residency, I said to him, look, wait till you get your PR and all of a sudden you can save, instead of paying, you know, 10 million yen down payment, you can pay nothing and the bank will actually give you 105% loan. So that's the, uh, you know, the full 50 million yen for the property plus another 3 million yen for closing costs. So they'll give you 53 million yen. It's like nothing out of pocket. Yeah. Uh, I've got a client actually doing that now. They're buying a house um, and... The property is like forty-one million, and their loan is for forty-four million. So they're getting forty-one million for the house and another three million for all the closing costs. Their out-of-pocket is about fifty or sixty thousand yen, like five hundred dollars, six hundred dollars to buy a brand new house. Yeah. Um. So I said to them, look, you know, just wait a year to you get your PR, and then you can save your hundred thousand dollars of cash. Right. Yeah. And whatever you're paying for rent
0: for a year is yeah. not going to be that, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Now in some situations now let's say you've got to wait you know um uh 10 years like the, the standard route if you're not on a highly skilled professional visa or something like that and you have to wait the standard 10 years to get your permanent residency and you're only four years into it it's like hold on you're six years away from getting being eligible for this 100 financing situation well if you're six years away then look maybe it's worth putting down a 20 percent deposit Because waiting six years paying rent for six years is not going to really outweigh that, of course. That's assuming you have the cash. Um, but if you're only 12 months away from getting PR, get the PR because the financing terms are much better. You get to keep, you know, 20 like an extra hundred thousand dollars or 200,000 dollars of cash. Is interest um, also a
0: bit lower in those cases?
2: And uh, no, I mean, like even with the 80 percent one, the interest is about 0.5%. Okay. So whether you're 80% financing or 100% financing, the interest rate is, you know, the 0.5. It, it doesn't change.
0: We interrupt this broadcast. I always wanted to say this. We interrupt this broadcast to tell you about Tokyo Family Stays. They're a short-term rentals company in Tokyo, and they offer a home away from home experience, which is just perfect for remote working, quarantining, or if you just need summer quiet to hide away from the world. So they offer a variety of options for families, for corporate relocations, or simply if you're transitioning between homes in Tokyo. Now The properties are super comfortable, tastefully furnished, fully equipped with all amenities, and they accommodate up to 10 people. So really the only thing you'll need to bring with you is your toothbrush and maybe a change of clothes. They've got fast, unlimited wireless internet, dedicated workspaces, and fully equipped kitchens, and they're just a delight to stay in, a fantastic alternative to Japanese business hotels, which if you've ever stayed in one, you probably know they're tiny, they're noisy, fine for a night or two if you're on your own, but long term or with a family, you'll probably feel you're in a jail cell very quickly. So if you want to give yourself a sense of space and freedom by renting a real home with comfortable Western beds, including all the necessities like baby bedding, children's toys, high chairs, you definitely want to reach out to Tokyo Family Stays. They've been at it for over a decade they're a fully licensed minpaku or short-term stay operator and as a special bonus for our viewers and listeners they're also throwing in a breakfast basket upon arrival for anyone who books and mentions the japan real estate podcast or nti and not only for guests if you're a property owner you've got an investment property that you want to tweak for higher profits or a holiday home that you want rented out when not in use via short-term stays drop them a line today See how they can help you maximize your property's income. And again, as a special bonus to our viewers and listeners, they're also offering a free audit of your existing short-term stay listings without any obligation whatsoever. So feel free to reach out to them at tokyofamilystays.com. Well worth your visit. And again, if you're in the market for a family home in or around the Tokyo metropolitan area, Emil's your man. Don't be shy to reach out to him as well at G O R G E S at tokyorealty.jp yeah but
2: if basically the bank wants to, wants you to have more skin in the game so they want you to put a 20% deposit like you can still borrow just as much but they want you to pay have 20% in the property because they they just fear that you may leave the country right you have a higher risk when you have you're not permanent resident you and your neither like you nor your spouse are actual Japanese citizens or permanent residents. Um, if you get a better job offer, you can just go and leave. And they're yeah. stuck with the unpaid mortgage. Mm-hmm. So, But if you have $100,000 contributed to the property, you're not going to leave so easily. It kills so me that people
0: actually don't mind just buggering off and defaulting on a mortgage. Like, why wouldn't you just keep paying and rent the place out? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah no. Like that, that would make perfect sense,
2: right? And I don't think it happens too much. Anyone who's done it, yes. But I think they just... All it takes is a handful of people to to do something bad and burn that bridge and stuff. You know, maybe they bought something that really wasn't suitable and wasn't good even as an investment. Or you know, maybe they were just like anyone who's going to do that. Maybe they just don't have the savviness to realize. Well, what do you have here? Okay, um, and what are the opportunities that you've you've just left on the table by just leaving and, and defaulting on the loan?
0: Yeah, and you don't know we that person when we, yeah. when we talked about tenants, it's it, like you say, it just takes a handful of dumb foreigners to, to make it difficult for the rest of us, <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely.
2: But, um, yeah, apart from that, everything's going like uh, that's right. There's one more story, and I touched on this last time, and I want to come back to it. There was a house that we were talking about that got built um, near by the river, and it was fantastic, it's only 15 years old but the uh, the previous owner had done some extensions. They've extended the balcony and they built out the the loft area, okay? And they built out the loft. So it's no longer eligible for, it's considered like a a, um, over-regulation build and it's built like the the building doesn't match documentation. So the banks weren't financing it. And one of our, and our client sort of, he really liked it. We tried to talk with the bank, but they're like, the the bank that was uh, able to give him a loan because his situation was a bit unique like no sorry this prop will give you money but not for this property this property is not one that we all accept because it's been modified from original and it no longer meets regulations um so we sort of you know left that and then my client sort of um he, he did go to one of the local banks um and he spoke with them and showed them the property and they they said they give him about like sixty percent of the property value for a loan, so he had to put in almost like you know two hundred thousand like twenty million yen, um cash by himself. He's like, yeah, no, nah, I want hundred percent financing. This you know two hundred thousand yen is a bit uh, uh, over the top. Now he's he called me up the other day and said, actually, you know what? We thought about it over the year. We love the place. We're willing to put that cash down. Okay, so okay, great. I reached out, but. It's, it's already under contract someone else has put on the contract um but that contract may fall through i don't know the details about it the seller said look he's the person has sort of signed the contract and he's put some terms and clauses in the contract which because of the situation of property they're still waiting for some other assessment so depending on that it may fall through um all agents are closed like the 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 big uh, real estate agents are closed Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and today's we're recording this on Wednesday and Monday was a holiday. So I'm hoping to hear back from the seller's agent on Thursday or Friday with whether or not that has, that has gone through. And if not, then we'll be able to jump on it. Uh, so, so, so fingers crossed. Sometimes mm-hmm.
0: it's,
2: yeah, uh, sometimes it's like, there's some things we can control, some things, we, some things we cannot. One thing with, in this case, we will, we, Tried really, really diligently to, we tried many, many banks for financing, many situations. Eventually we were able to find one bank that gave, that would approve this property, but only to about 60%. That wasn't really good enough at the time. Um, But now we're in a position where, hold on, actually he thinks, you know what? He can can make it happen. Um, So that's one thing that we were sort of diligent in sort of checking all the banks and finding what we can get. And then finally, we, uh, now, now it's waiting for the stars to align. <laughs> um, hopefully that, that one sort of falls through. So it's always about a bit of balance, but I do like how this particular client was very, very thorough. Um, and even though I'd exhausted sort of my, uh, like my mega banks that I can deal with, um, there was one that, we, that he looked at, like one of the local banks, and he went and met with them and, and spoke with them and got all the, uh, all the sort of uh, checks and approvals so he knows that's how much you can get and the agent also knows that so hopefully now the stars align but i often tell people we need to be as thorough as we can make sure we don't lose the deal because of our inaction we need to spend as much time and be as thorough as possible to make sure we get all the right documentation everything necessary um, early on and often this means getting tax documents and or home loan sort of pre-approvals and discussing with banks very very early knowing where we stand so when we find the right property we
0: can jump on it.
2: Um, and People not- don't realize
0: if they haven't purchased or haven't been active in Japan's property market people don't realize how quickly the market actually moves here. I mean attractive deals can be taken you know, they can be spoken for in a matter of days from listing, especially if the property is not too expensive. And um, this is not like, I know in Australia, like we often see a house on the market for a very long time, like a good six, seven, eight, ten 10 months. Doesn't happen much here. And if it does, there might be something wrong with the property. It's, they, they get snatched super quick in Japan. Yeah, they're, they're both super quick. And it depends on the, some properties are just
2: crap. They're, they're, they're going to stay on for a while because they're not worth it. But the properties that, you know, usually for foreigners, like, and I deal with, with family homes, right? So it's that usually people go there and it has to be a nice place. There's got to be something like charm to it, either the location or it's got to be right for a family. And some of them are not right and they're going to be a struggle. But some that are quite right, especially if a foreigner likes it, foreigners tend to have slightly higher standards, higher sort of expectations. So a foreigner, a foreigner likes it. And it's at a good price, then it means it's actually pretty good in the market. And with my clients, we've generally looked at prop like you know a dozen properties, two dozen properties. So when we find the right, like when we walk into the right one, the client kind of knows pretty quickly. They're confident they've seen it. And they go, Oh, yeah, this this one I actually really like. They don't need to sit on it so long. They they walk right in and they go, Yeah, this, this is fantastic. And so when we get to that stage, often it means, yeah, this is a nice property. And when we're actively looking. We'll, you know, we're looking every week or every other week. So it's not a property that's been sitting on the market for three months and then we find it, we'll see it pretty early. And, but every agent is doing that with their clients. Every agent is like, once they've got listening, they're they're looking for the new ones. And the first, you know, few weeks are when there's lots of viewings and lots of excitement um, about, about a particular property. It's quite rare that my clients that we're searching for, I'm like, oh, Hey, check out this property but it's one that's already been listed for three months. No, because we would have seen it when we started the search. Uh, so so that's why the, the good properties that make a lot of sense will generally go quick because people that are actively engaged in the search will be able to make the decision very quickly um, and, and jump at it. And the big dif- difference between how the Japanese market works in terms of the purchase process versus the Australian market is we don't auction prices. Yeah. There's no, increase it's not like like there's never a situation where oh this you know let's say the property is 50 million yen and i'll say okay great we want to buy it at 50 million they the agent won't call another potential buyer and say look i've got one offer at 50 do you want to offer 51 million 52 that's million that's one of
0: the things i love most yeah. about japan
2: is that it doesn't yeah. happen here <laughs> it's fixed price. it does not it's if you go in at the asking price i know like if i tell my clients the opposite it's like we see a property for 50 million they're like we love it And we know, we've been looking in the area, everything's 50, like 55, 54, 55. This one is like, you know, 5 million cheaper. And it's like really, really nice. Checks all the boxes, nothing wrong with it. We know, look, if you want to offer 48 million, then you can do that. But chances are someone else is going to jump on and offer 50. And whoever offers the asking price gets it. If you, I mean, you need I'm to, smiling because this, this is
0: this happens to so many of our first-time clients. They they come in. And, okay, let's offer. 20% off, 15% off the listed price. and no. That's number one, it's not going to be accepted. Number two, there's a chance you might actually offend the seller and he's not going to receive mm-hmm. another offer from you. And number three, it'll just get taken right under your nose. Like this is what they're going to be getting for it. Mm-hmm. There's a limit. It just doesn't work like that here, but people have to lose a few really lovely properties that they really yeah. wanted before they actually realize that we know what we're talking about.
1: I yeah. mean, I just want to jump in there because, you know, uh um, there's not enough attention on me right now and I need to need to bring it back to me. I'm I'm in a I'm in a room with lots I'm in a room with lots of testosterone every week. So I've you know <laughs> 2022 is gonna be my year for making sure that I'm heard. Um, but what I was just gonna say is that I'm actually often looking for properties that aren't suitable for other people, um, because, especially if they're quirky, if they're weird um, or, you know, there might be something wrong for them, wrong for someone who wants to live in them full time, but I can make them work as a short-term rental. And I've done that a number of times um, because I can I can amp up the charm factor or the novelty factor, or, you know, there's, there's one of my properties which does exceptionally well. It's 2.5 meters wide as a house um and it's tall and skinny it has zero closets it is to live there long term it would be a nightmare but it's Fifteen minutes walk to Shinjuku. It's in a great location, and it sells really, really well for short term for short term rentals because it is two point five meters wide. I mean, the, the number of people have done Instagrams where they've got their arms out and they're or they're lying down at the front of the the front of the property and they're showing how how narrow it is. It, it's it, it's a really interesting selling point. So, um, I'm always on the hunt for ones for for properties that don't rent well for long for families or for uh you know for long-term tenants but they've got some quirk in them that i can really that i can really really play up so um, have you seen
0: the ikea six meter or whatever uh, the square room i mean mean, the challenge
1: that's completely clickbaity of course Yeah, um i think muji did something similar i'll I'll find it and
0: share it while tracy's going
1: it was like a like seeing in a month or something you know and It really was a vertical, like, you know, if you're sleeping standing up, like you're in a a coffin or something, it'd be great. But um,
2: what what, what is it? I've never heard of it.
1: Okay. It's a, it's a, basically it's a loft. So imagine a, imagine a tiny apartment, which is. Let me share
0: the screen, Tracy. I'll show him. I'll show it on the screen uh, while we're talking.
1: I'll have to let you share the screen. Yes. You have to allow me to share. See, you are in control.
0: Don't worry about it. (laughs) Ah!
1: Uh, there we go. She
2: could have muted us at any time. Yeah, I could, mute
1: you, I could change your names to whatever you wanted at any time. There you go. Um, so, is it? was oh, one dollar a month. I thought it was like staying in a month. Um, no, 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 no.
0: It's no, a, no. it's a, a yaku in a month, and it's uh, what's one hundred and seven square feet. That's like what thirty square meter. No, what is that? Look,
1: okay, it, it's a really interesting. I mean, obviously, you have to be young and fit and um thin i think just to live in it oh
2: it's, 3.5 jaw jesus yeah.
1: it's 3.5 <laughs> jaw but it, then it's got a living above that kitchen bathroom area it's got a it's got a little loft which is a single bed i think it's a single bed or a semi-double bed um and um yeah it's a student apartment um
2: can you show me a, is there a photo of the loft area because i've got no not in these oh, i was
0: looking for that too I've got some. Apartments. Oh, no, so hang on,
1: there, hang on. oh no, no, no! Keep going down. No, that's the that's the sofa. There's a sofa bed in there. There it is. That's okay, the loft. That's
0: lo- mm-hmm. Ooh, okay. The loft okay, is exactly. actually not that bad, but the downstairs area is horrible.
1: I mean, look if oh, you were oh. if you were a student, if you were a um, you know, but who who designs these places? That's what I want to know. Like, who is the architect that is thinking that this is a suitable you know a suitable living? arrangement for someone long term. I mean there's there's no it's basically putting a building and and squeezing in maximum amount of heads in beds which is really not a great standard of living. Well, so, so
2: um so I've got <laughs> I've got three of these apartments Tracy um and well, let me let me explain what it is. So I uh, you know I had uh, like I got into the Airbnb game quite early on so I was subleasing quite a few apartment trials Go to some, some owners, like I'll find some properties that um, were, were good deals, and I'd ask the owners if I could do um, Airbnb with them or short term rentals. And I got permission. And when I think I had like 12 at the peak of Airbnb, and now it's reduced to about six. So although real estate, you know, sales, is my main business as a side, I've got, um, you know, the, the short term rentals and, and stuff as well that I do. And so I've got three of these in the same building, and mine are like 10. 10 square meters no um yeah but it's sim- very similar size to that it like, and It's like in very similar layout to be honest like i mean it's, it's a small it's box um i think the first floor is like Jaw, so a little bit maybe a little bit bigger than that and they're they're actually on the third on the top floor of this three-story building it's a wooden building and on the top floor so the top can be high high like how it is um right. my lofts actually come down on an angle so they can be high like how this is. The, the floors down below are only six draw like 10 square meter apartments without a loft. My one, my three are all on the top floor and they have the lofts exactly like this.
0: Um, but not nice, so size, looking... right? Sorry? Not this size. It's got to be oh. bigger. We have some oh, apartments no. with lofts as well, but they would be at least 15, 16 square meters. No, my... No, I think they're 10.
1: So how many drawer at the bottom level? Like six
2: yeah, oh see including... six that, that's 3.5 jaw and, and, oh no no that's 3.5 jaw if you go back to the floor plan oh that's 3.5 jaw of like
1: that's not including that, the bedroom uh, not yeah, including not, the kitchen and bathroom
2: yeah that, that that looks like only the the bedding space is 3.5 oh, yeah yeah. There you
1: go.
2: yeah that that bedding space there is 3.5 and then they got the bathroom and kitchenette like the Oh, hold on. There's no shower. i oh, get uh, there's no shower. Oh yeah, there is. There's a shower. Shower. Yeah. So yeah. So my one's very similar to be honest. Um, so that's why I'm looking at these going, wow, you know what I can just, I should just redo my whole apartment. Just go everything that I got here in, in IKEA. Ikea, <laughs> um, like in this show, like this showroom. Yeah. All, like I can just replicate that and make it like a, the Ikea room. And
1: that's um, a real, but that's place. a real one person place. And obviously, you know, for short term rental, you, you, you need, to have a spot for luggage. Otherwise, you know, where are you going to put your bag? it have got to be a light
2: traveller. Yeah, every complaint I've had about people that are staying was, oh, there's no room for, for luggage. And usually I say, look, it's good for two people, a couple. Like, not like two mates are willing to squeeze in. Because, again, this is, you know, um, mm-hmm. 15 minutes walk from Shinjuku. Nice. Right? Um, and so for short-term stays, again, it's a bit quirky and whatnot, but 15 minutes mm-hmm. from Shinjuku is very yep. much for budget travellers. I want to be sure.
1: in, in, as long in as you know world. as long as you know your target cu- target yeah. customer and they're you know they're they're up for the experience then it's a good match I think just being transparent yeah. with what what the experience that you're offering and and yeah. uh, and the price so um, yeah, it's
2: that's just that's just difficult. Yeah. But but so but going back, I guess, to the point you made earlier is like who builds these and why do the architects build such a property that's not going to be livable. So yes. the building, I've only got three rooms in it, but there's two buildings and there's well, four, 12 apartments in each building, right? And I've got the I've got three at the top with the loft, but the other ones, it's you it's largely international students that live there um yeah just that's it because it's it's cheap and it's great central location some of these um, places and also-
0: actually used to be dorm buildings where they used to have a shared uh, a shared uh, bathroom and the shared toilet so it might have been renovated to fit like a mm. you know include all of it inside that tiny space but maybe uh, only- no no
2: no they, they, no they, i think what Tracy mentioning with this one is no they, like to be honest like these small size like maximize the room like a rocker jaw room and if it's in a good location, like you can't really do that kind of space out in like in the boonies, like far out. Because people that are going to live all the way there need a bit more space and for only just a few thousand yen. But when you're in Shinjuku or Shibuya, then you're like, you know, I'm paying, the difference is 60,000 yen a month for that size or 80,000 yen a month Because you're talking 50% extra in floor space. Because the loft doesn't really count. So if you go from 10 square meters to 15 square meters, it's doubling the rent.
0: Yeah, we've got a, one of our customers has an apartment in central Fukuoka, like right next to Hakata Station. Um, And that one's 12, 12 and a half square meters. So it's no loft. So it's, you know, basically even smaller than this one for living space. And um, it's never been vacant for longer than a, the couple of weeks that it takes to renovate it. I mean, there's- Well, what's what's it. the rental like? You know? Um, 25,000 yen a month or 30,000. Yeah. Yeah, there you go.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm.
2: Yeah. So, but, but the thing is like, so you go up in 25,000, you want an, if you're, like, an extra two, three square meters, like, which is a 20, 30% increase in price. It's five, you're going from 25 to 30,000 yen a month. Yeah. Whereas if you're going like for student type accommodation, you want to live central- you're going from 60,000 yen a month to 90,000 yen or from 80 to hundred, 120, just to go from, just to have like the bare essentials are bathroom, toilet, kitchen, like kitchenette and, and bed area. Right. And that's generally be a sofa bed because you can convert like, it's like, it's either a living room or a bedroom. I don't need to pay 50% extra to have a dedicated living room when I'm sleeping. If you're but, but like
0: Tracy yes. was saying, so I know, Tracy, you basically aim mainly for families in your homestays, but there is the big market for properties like these, right?
1: Um, well, the problem is, well, for short-term, t- so there's a couple of things, there's a couple of points I wanted to bring up, and I am conscious of time. But um, so there's a couple of things. First of all, with a short-term rental, on uh, if, you know, if you're paying 60,000 yen a month, and you're trying to do arbitrage you're not going to you're not going to make enough on um on a short-term rental basis much more than you're going to make on a uh, like beliefs. a regular chin type. Yeah. the real meat of short-term rentals is where you do have the two three four bedroom places and you do have larger groups um because there's a lot of there's a lot of competition at that at that level at that budget level you, you're competing with hostels you're competing with the business hotels um and you know when you're renting something at three four thousand a night um you know there's a lot of weirdo honestly there's a lot of weirdos who, who rent at that price or they're, they're people that you know when they don't have much skin in the game they're not going to take that much care of it so there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of factors i don't think there's enough meat um, because you still have to do the same amount of work to manage the guests and manage the cleaning as you do for a, something that you're earning 100000 a month as, as opposed to something that you're making a million in a month. Would it you know, make a difference
0: so. if you own the entire building and you've if got you, 12 look, of these?
1: If you own the entire building, I would recommend that you would knock out a couple of those walls and convert some of those single studios into two, three, you know, two bedroom, two bathroom, for example, which are very hard to get. So three bedroom, three bathroom, which is what a lot of um, especially Asian travelers want, you know, if they're coming from Singapore or Malaysia, they're wanting an ensuite bathroom. You could have a building where you have 12, 15, 1Ks, knock out a couple of walls and convert them into a three bedroom. And you're gonna make more, um, you're gonna make more on a monthly basis with less work than, yeah. uh, than running individual properties, or you rent out the whole lot so that's this. exactly correct yes see i know what i'm talking about emil i've been doing you, this you, like you been doing this a long time <laughs> yeah. so yeah, yeah. and,
2: and, yeah. The, and the, the concept's quite simple it's like you know if you got a property that's sixty thousand yen a month and let's let's just say easy numbers like you make 50 percent, you know extra right in terms of profit in the short-term stay. you're making thirty thousand yen a month yeah. which is not a lot of room for buffer like if the guest complains about the mattress or if the Bed breaks or something like that. A bed is going to cost the same whether it's getting you know for this property or if it's in a larger property. Yeah. So if you have a property that's three hundred thousand yen a month, so you're making one hundred and fifty thousand a profit on it. You can go and change a mattress. You can just the guys don't like pillows. You can spend you know five thousand yen on pillows and go because they're paying more than that per night, mm-hmm. right? Whereas if you're only making five thousand yen on the guest total stay and he complains about pillows. Yeah. It's like, well, hold on. Can I spend five million just because this one guest is not happy? Whereas mm-hmm. one guest paying, you know, 500,000 yen. Well, yeah, I can, <laughs> I can give them new pillows. Um, so, yeah. I, and also one guest versus three guests, etc. Mm-hmm. It's, um yeah, I definitely. Think- I agree.
1: And the other thing that what I do as well is is I just don't sell a bed. See if I sell an experience. So when I have a family who's coming to Japan for two, three weeks, for example, they're coming in and they're, you know, they are spending a lot of money. They've got a lot of skin in the game, but they're also prepared to spend a lot more money on things like tours on um babysitting on all the other things that i can i can drill in and really make some money on which
0: a budget traveler is a not budget traveler
1: is about. not yeah. interested in that they're interested in the cheapest bed and you know what like that doesn't really bring me much joy as a business owner. It's like yeah. i you know, I've been in business a long time. I want to do something where I'm actually feeling like I'm helping somebody. Yeah, I'm making money off them as well. But there a...
0: are slumlords who do cater to these kinds of people. Sure,
1: there's slumlords like you know, but it's just not really my business model. It's not really what get what drives me. I, I don't really am not really interested in being a slumlord. lord. you know, but there are possibilities of doing that. But then, you know, they do then you end up spending a lot more in the long run because these buildings aren't really well made and they're noisy and they're, you know, so I'm just, it's just not my business model. It's not what I'm good at. So I'd rather spend my time on the bigger properties and really look after customers who I can earn a lot more money from. So.
0: Yeah. Um I, I got to go in a couple of minutes, but sure. we, we completely skipped our intro. So let's do an outro before we go. <laughs>
1: So I'm Tracy. I am the short-term rental minpaku expert like we've just discovered in this call today. <laughs> so I've been in short-term rentals in Tokyo for 10 years. Um, I have my own properties. I also manage other people's properties and help them maximise their profits. I also train people on how to maximise profits in this industry here and abroad. So that's me. Cool.
0: Thank you. Iziv, over to you. Yeah. Yeah, so we are uh, buyer's advocates, proxies, and portfolio managers, and we help people, whether they reside in Japan or out of Japan, to uh, purchase, negotiate, do due diligence on. Uh, We can also consult them if they want to do it on their own, and help them manage their portfolio and exit if and when they want. And we mainly deal with investment properties and holiday homes and also land for development. All
2: right. And... My name is Emil. I am a, my title says here, I think it is. Um, I'm a real estate agent here in Tokyo and I help people find their personal home. Um, you know, I, I say their dream home, but how about realistic home? I think is, is, is more appropriate in, in Japan because we're not getting our dream homes that, that we see in the magazines. I think uh, here we have to settle for something a bit more reasonable. Um, and we also act as a mortgage broker. So we have, uh, you know, we're a licensed agency. So we deal with the banks that are assigned to us. Um, the mega banks. Um, so, or anything about finance and, and home loans for you know foreigners in Japan? Uh, I I know all about that and can can help. So please just reach out. Um, anytime we can have a, a phone call. Um, also, uh, I have started <laughs> sponsoring Ziv your podcast. So this is part of it. Yeah, so this will be stuff. the
0: third time people hear about you in this episode now. <laughs>
2: sure. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the, the intro. Yeah. So send me an email. Um, that's I'm, I'm the guy that Ziv introduces now in all of his podcasts.
1: Me too. I'm a I'm a sponsor as well. So nice. uh, for you my like short term. So this is when people are inbound and they're looking or they're outbound and they're looking for a short-term rental in Tokyo. I'm the person to take care of them.
2: So, Z, we got some money out of us for good stuff. Um I think Yeah, that, that was podcast, the entire purpose. Right? We
0: can shut down the J uh, JREP the, the panel now. So yes, the three of us plus Matt, who's not with us today, who deals in Akiya in abandoned or um otherwise vacant homes, mostly in the countryside, but not only. And the four of us are the Japan Real Estate Experts panel, or JREP, as we like to be called, or at least I like to call us. And we'll see you all very, very soon. Have a wonderful, hope you've enjoyed Thanks the wonderful so much. happening here. Well, Make some goals for 2022. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye, bye. <laughs> bye. All right. So that's it from us for today, folks. Hope you've enjoyed this first session of the JREP panel for 2022. Always a pleasure speaking with uh, Tracy and Emil, as well as with Matt. Hope to have him with us again next time. Now, before we go, we're also, as always, going to tell you and also link to our other sponsor's website. That's Hiroshi Shimizu, immigration lawyer and administrative scrivener. If you're thinking about moving here on a more permanent basis, or you're already in Japan on some sort of a temporary visa, and you want to switch to a longer term or permanent one, or if you're considering setting up a local company or a branch office of a foreign company and you've got any sort of business or visa-related inquiries, or even if you just want to find out what your options are on any of these topics, feel free to contact Hidoshi Shimizu. You can find him at japanimmigrationexperts.com and he can help you set up a company, apply for any kind of visa, or just provide you with the best advice and extremely affordable consultation related to these topics. And he's already done that for many of our listeners. So feel free to reach out to him. Again, that's japanimmigrationexperts.com and you'll be well on your way. And that's it from us for today, folks. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Real Estate Podcast. Do share it with your networks and please let us know what you think. So leave us a short rating or review on the iTunes store, on Spotify, or just drop us a line in the comment section or wherever you might've found this episode. We love hearing from you. Hope to have you with us again next time, and until then, have a great day or night ahead. Yoroshiku.